And so the spirit of God is working and God is working. And I just encourage you to acknowledge his presence in all of this. And to trust him that he has a divine purpose. That he will work. In and through all of this. He'll work it out for our good. Because we know him to be for us. Not against us. Amen. And if God be for us. Who can stand against us? Um, I've had this question uh, from a few. So I'll go ahead and, uh, and, and announce that. Um, I know a lot of people are have been very old school and 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 wanting to give uh in in checks and you haven't been able to do that uh because we have not been meeting but I just want to encourage you you can mail your checks in uh we do have staff that is working throughout the week here uh either uh Ellen or myself uh we will uh get your check we check the mail every day uh uh, Pastor Dale Barnes also checks it uh, in the late afternoon, and uh, it will make it to the office, and, uh, and 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 we will receive that from you. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, uh, you can go to our website, ncfok.org, and uh, you can give online on our website uh, as well. So I just wanted to make everyone aware of that, and... Uh, uh, having said that, uh, let's get into the Word of God. We'll start in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. The title of today's message is The Helmet of Salvation. I hope you have been enjoying this series. I hope that you have been enjoying this series so far. Uh, as much as I have, it's, it's really been convicting in some ways. It's, it's been encouraging in so many ways and, and, uh, and, and it strengthened me, uh, as well. And so we've already talked about our strength being in the Lord. Before we even started talking about any armor pieces, notice that Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So we don't have to be strong in our own strength. You know, our strength comes from the Lord. And so uh, having laid that foundation, we then covered the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, our gospel shoes, and the shield of faith. And that brings us to today, the helmet of salvation, where Paul says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We'll, we'll talk about the sword of the Spirit next week. But he says, take the helmet of salvation. Now, a Roman soldier would never, never entertain the thought of entering into battle without a helmet. I'm going to give you a little bit, in, in the interest of hopefully not boring you too much, we're going to give you a little bit of a, a history lesson. I am no history teacher, so uh, bear with me. But how Roman helmets were made uh, changed over the years. Uh, they stole a few designs from empires they did battle with and made improvements as they saw fit. 
And like I said, I won't go into boring detail about all the different helmet designs throughout the entirety of the Roman Empire. But I will simply describe the typical battle helmet of Roman soldiers during the time that Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. Each helmet was handcrafted from a single sheet of metal that was either molded or beaten into shape. This provided much better protection than previous designs that were made of untanned leather covered by metal pieces or they were made of metal pieces that were seamed together. Now, in Paul's day, their helmets also had neck guards in the back and metal face guards on both sides that covered the cheeks and chins of the soldiers. So, Roman battle helmets covered the top of the head, the forehead, the sides of the head, all the way down to the chin, and the back of the head, including the nape of the neck. They even had ear holes cut in the sides so they could easily hear commands or warnings. Later models even included a nose guard. So these helmets were max protect, man. Maximum protection. The Roman Empire understood how critically important it was to protect the heads of soldiers during battle. I wonder, how many Roman soldiers would have fallen victim to headshots? And how many battles would have been lost by the Roman Empire if they did not have the protection from deadly headshots that their helmets gave them? So why is the helmet associated with the salvation of the Lord? When Paul says, take the helmet of salvation, what is he saying to us? Well, first of all, I would say he's exposing one of the devil's attack strategies against us, which is to cause doubt within us concerning our salvation in the Lord. That's why he says, put on the helmet of salvation. Wrap your mind, shield your mind with your helmet, protect it from the enemy's attacks. So, that's one of his battle strategies, to cause doubt within us concerning our salvation in the Lord and to cause us to doubt our, our assurance in the Lord. That's his twofold objective when he attacks you up close and personal. Remember we talked about the shield of faith and those flaming arrows that come from a distance. Those flaming arrows are barrage attacks and they're hoping to spray a whole, he's hoping to spray a whole bunch of arrows and he'll get whoever doesn't have their shield up. But, but, but the helmet protects you more up close and personal in close combat. Those aren't flaming arrows fired from a distance. I'm talking about vicious, intimate blows that are personal attacks against your mind and your heart. Now, before you dismiss this as an issue that does not pertain to you, I want you to hear me out. Because you may be confident that you're headed to heaven when you die. 
but you may doubt that God is present and mighty to save in your current circumstance. I'm going to say that again. You may be confident that you're headed to heaven when you die, but doubt that God is present and mighty to save in your current circumstance. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The devil wants to steal your salvation. He can't steal your salvation, but he wants you to doubt it. Let me correct myself. And think about that. I've never known anyone to be able to be effective for God while doubting their salvation. And the devil wants you to doubt your salvation. Not only your eternal salvation, but he wants you to doubt the salvation of the Lord in the here and now. I hope that makes sense to you. And I want you to go to the book of Exodus chapter 14, verse 5, and I want to speak to that. I want to speak to the salvation of the Lord. And I want to speak to the, the attacks on our minds. If we don't wear our helmet of salvation, if we don't remind ourselves of what's real and what's true in the spirit, if we don't remind ourselves of God's word and stand on it and walk in it, then we're not wearing our helmet of salvation. And when the enemy attacks, he'll achieve his objective of causing doubt in us concerning the salvation of the Lord, either our eternal salvation and or God's ability to save us in our current circumstance. I hope you're hearing me. Exodus 14, starting at the fifth verse. This is after the Lord brought all of the uh, all the judgments on Egypt in order to get his people set free. And so finally, after all the firstborn died, finally the Pharaoh and the Egyptians just let him go. Verse 5, But when the king of Egypt was told the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done? that we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharisees' horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped at the sea by, by Piharoth in front of Baal-Zephon. So he's changed his mind and he's pursuing them. Let's see. Now, remember, God just brought them out of slavery and bondage to Egypt by a mighty hand. Right? He's already proven that he was greater than Pharaoh 
conquered him and, and made Pharaoh cry uncle and released God's people. Surely that's fresh on their minds and these people aren't going to be worried at all, right? Wrong. Let's look at verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Now, these are people that prayed, cried, begged God to get them out of Egypt. All right. But now that the one that God saved them from is pursuing them again, they are, they are fearful again. Even though God is with them, even though God delivered them out of a mighty hand, they are out with a mighty hand. They are looking at the circumstance and they are quaking in their boots as they are intimidated by this enemy that God's already defeated. For some reason, we forget truth when we're confronted with difficult circumstances. We forget to put on our helmet of salvation and we'll react just like they did. And so here they are. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. You know, we love to have these either-or propositions in our mind. Either things stay the same or death and destruction. <laughs> we don't like change. We don't like confrontation. We don't like trials and struggle. We don't like confront. We don't like to be confronted with things that are dangerous or things that are uncertain or, or, or things that are unpredictable. We like things to be nice and safe and cozy. And when they're not, when we're outside of our comfort zones, we tend to allow our emotions to get loud. We tend to allow that emotional storm to rage within us. And we can't even hear God when we get into that state. We can't even hear God. We can't even think about the truth of God's word because our emotions have grabbed the wheel and they're controlling us. And that's what's happened here. And Moses said to the people, and I want you to be encouraged by this. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. That's, I've got to repeat that. Moses said to the people, fear not, don't be afraid, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. Like that song says, all I did was praise. 
All I did was worship. All I did was bow down. All I did was stay still. You won the victory, Lord, and called it mine. Amen? And so the Lord is about to win the victory and call it theirs. That's the kind of God we serve. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that's in the Bible that, 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 that brought the Egyptians out of Egypt, brought the children of Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who is about to win the victory from Pharaoh's army for them again is our God today. Amen? He will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Only to be silent. That doesn't mean they needed to be silent. All right? That doesn't mean, I don't want y'all to think that every time we just got to be silent. We just got to not say anything. Well, if all you're doing is screaming and wailing and whining, then you need to quiet yourself. You need to still your, you need to still your storm so that you can get before God and allow him, allow his peace to overtake you. To allow him to comfort you. To allow him to minister to you. To settle you. To, so, so that he can say peace be still to your heart and to your soul. I'm trying to stay still, y'all. Sorry, James. I know I moved out of the frame again. But it's in the presence of the Lord that we can find peace for our souls. It's in remembering the promises of God that we can find peace and rest for our souls, that, that, that we can find strength and courage to stand firm even in the face of mighty foes. Are you hearing me? Why would Moses tell them that? He said, be silent. Why would he tell them that? Well, here's the thing. There was purpose in the scary thing that confronted the children of Israel in that moment. God, God's purpose. Even before the scary thing manifested itself to them, God spoke of his purpose, which was to give God glory. Let's skip back to verse 1 of this same chapter. And let's hear God speak to Moses. Exodus 14, I'm going to read the first four verses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pahaharoth. Between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, here's what he's gonna, this is what he's gonna think. They're just wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. They're in trouble. We've got an opportunity here. And here's what God said. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. This is God, God's doing. 
This is his purpose. He's working something here. And he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Scripture says. So God told Moses this. So Moses wasn't worried. Moses wasn't fearful. Okay? Moses had relationship with God. He walked with God. God spoke to him. He inquired of God. Okay? He faced every circumstance in faith, trusting that God was with him and that God was going to fight for him and that he had nothing to worry about, nothing to fear. But he always kept his relationship with God first. And because he did, he had an awareness of what God was doing. And he was able to stand in faith and cooperate with God's will. And see God's purpose and plan come together. And what you see by contrast from the children of Israel is they didn't go before God. They didn't spend time with God. They didn't inquire of him. They did not hear him. Therefore, all they're doing is seeing, all they're able to do is see the circumstance, okay, and go by their own understanding and try to figure out what is the meaning of this. Oh my goodness, we're going to all die. We're going to all perish. We have no hope. We have no chance. Woe is us. What an interesting contrast. But you know what? Both of those contrasts can represent us. If we're faithful in God's word, if we're spending time with God, if we are not only praying and telling God all of our needs, but we're inclining our ear to hear what thus saith the Lord, If we're endeavoring to walk with God in all of our ways, guess what? God will give us peace even in the middle of the storm. We'll have a knowing in us. We'll know that we know that we know that God is with us and that he is for us and that whatever mountain comes before us as an obstacle, we'll just cast that thing into the sea in the spirit. We'll, we'll, we'll move that mountain by the strength and might of our God. Whatever flood comes against us, God will raise up a banner. He'll raise up a standard against it. Whatever the enemy tries to do, God, it may have a measure of success, but God will turn it and work it to our good. Because greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. Amen? And the name of Jesus is greater than any name of any man, of any disease that we might encounter or any issue that we might encounter on this earth. And so let us be full of faith in remembering the salvation of the Lord. Let us keep our helmets on to realize that that our God is the God of our salvation, that we have eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. But not only that, 
We have a God who is very real and very tangible and very present and is here right now for us who is still operating and working in this day and time. The situation may look bleak and we may be tempted to shriek and fear and doubt. But let's remind ourselves, you know what? Let's remind ourselves of the, of the covenant that we have with Almighty God and the precious promises contained therein. Let's remind ourselves of, of, of scriptures like John 10, 10, when I read earlier, where the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill and destroy, but, but Jesus said he has come that we may have life and to have it more abundantly. Scriptures like Hebrews 7, Verse 25, which says that he, Jesus, he says of Jesus, he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. So again, I want to encourage you tonight, precious children of God. God has a purpose and a plan in all circumstances and situations that we encounter. There is nothing that happens that can interrupt or derail the purpose and plan of God. He is high and exalted. There is no God like our God. He alone is the true and living God. There is none like him, nor will there ever be. And he is able to save us to the utmost, regardless, uh, regardless of what we face. He's able to save us to the utmost, you know, in the Old Testament times, the Old Covenant, you know, uh, they ran, they had to run through a whole lot of priests because every high priest eventually died. And every high priest had to make sacrifices for his own sins before he could even make sacrifices for the sins of the people. And he had to do that annually. It was a temporary fix. But when Jesus, who is called a high priest forever, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, when Jesus was declared a high priest, our high priest of the new covenant, when he died on that cross and rose again, he conquered death. He defeated death. He's never to die again. He's an everlasting priest. So, so the covenant that we have with him is etched in stone. It's eternal. There's no end to it. So if you've given your heart to Jesus, your salvation in him is secure. Don't doubt. Don't let circumstances cause you to doubt his love for you, his salvation for us. And don't, am I out of frame again? All right. 
And don't doubt his right now in your real circumstance and situation, salvation. That allows you to just stand, stay still. Let him fight for you. Win the victory for you and call it yours. Are you hearing me? And I want to, I want to end by saying this. So there's so much overlap in these various, in these various armor pieces. Um, I could have easily today covered both the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit because they tie together in, in such a definite way. I won't preach next week's message right now, but I will say this. The, probably the best way to keep your helmet of salvation on is to get into the word of God. To get into the word of truth. To know what God's word says. You know, I was talking um, with Ellen Summers and I were talking in the, in the office this week and and we were talking about all the messaging that we're exposed to the news and, you know, how it can overwhelm you over time and so forth. And, uh, books that we're reading, things that we're doing to occupy our time, you know, now that there's so much social distancing and restrictions on where you can go and when and all those things that, you know, we find ourselves with more time than we're used to having. You know, it wouldn't it be an excellent time? Now that we're not as busy, because we always are too busy to read God's word, it seems. But now that we don't have that as a reason, we don't have that as an excuse, wouldn't it be great for us to, 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 to get, to have a goal, set up a goal that, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible half an hour a day. Just start there. Start there. Ooh, I'm looking at these two ladies, half an hour, no way, I'm just kidding. They didn't say that. They didn't say that. They probably read their Bibles longer than that. Uh, you know, but Ellen was telling me, you know, that, you know, she's going to read the Bible all the way through this year. You know, and, and, and you know what? I commend her for that. And I don't know if I'm embarrassing her by saying that. Don't tell her I said this. You know, but... I want to I want to encourage and challenge each one of us to have a similar goal. You know, whether it's reading the Bible in a year or just commit. If you don't read the Bible at all, start with 15 minutes. You know, I don't know where to start. Okay, but start in Genesis. Okay, and just work your way through. Just start somewhere and be definite. And and I would say if you have every one of us has a smartphone, a tablet, uh laptop, something, whatever you do to schedule your appointments, your times and so forth, I want you to set yourself an daily appointment. Whatever day, time of the day is best for you. 
If you're an early morning person, do it in the morning. If you're more of a night person, do it in the evening. Uh, whatever it is, set a place and set a time, a reminder, and I want you to sanctify that time. Treat it as an urgent, no-break meeting. And then just begin to build that kind of discipline of reading the word in your life on a regular, regular basis. You know, uh, Psalms 119.105 says, The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, there are some things in life that you may be struggling with. You may not be sure about what to do or what's the right decision here or there. You know what? The word of God is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. There is truth. There's biblical principles that are relevant to life that may guide your path and may guide your decision making as to the way that you should go. Get into God's word so that you can know his will, know his heart, know his word. And if you're struggling with uh, 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 personal things, personal issues, you need to work out your soul salvation with fear and trembling. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So we can't get away from the importance of God's word. We're going to need to shower our minds. We're going to need to to indulge our minds in God's word and, 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 and begin to let the light of his word come into our thoughts, come into our hearts, come into our homes and into our various situations and so forth. We're going to have to let truth arise, the truth of God's word be exalted in our everyday walk with him. And I'm going to say this, One struggle that I have noticed, even in the body of Christ, is that when we have personal issues with someone else, conflicts, offenses, God's word is very clear on what it is we're supposed to do in order to resolve those issues. And too often, we don't do it either because we don't know what God's word says or even worse, we know what God's word says. We're just not going to do it. We don't like to use that terminology in those situations. You know, we're, 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 we, we draw on God's grace, but we're in rebellion when we do those things. And I want you, like I said, I'm not going to preach next week's word. This week, we'll get into the sword of the spirit, uh, which is the word of truth and so forth. We'll get into that. But I want to challenge you to start this week. Start today even. All right? Building the discipline of daily reading your scripture and getting into your acquired time and having personal time with the Lord. Get into God's word. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that need not to be ashamed, but able to rightly divide the word of truth. So I want to encourage you that 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 would be your lesson for the week. And I want to hear 
from you. I want to know that you've taken that challenge. And I, and I want to hear the testimonies that come out of it as God begins to speak to you and, and, and as God begins to do things in your life that, that are a real blessing and really shows you that he's there for you in whatever it is that you're going through. Um, I believe that he'll, his word will highlight, he'll highlight those specific verses of scripture that'll speak right into your situation and quicken your heart. Give you insight and revelation that, that will enable you to move forward with confidence and faith, knowing that God has spoken and that he is with you. And so, uh, so I would encourage you in that. And, um, uh, I am going to end the message on that note. I just wanted to say I, I love you. Uh, God bless you. And stay encouraged, uh, New Covenant Fellowship. Uh, get in that word this week. Let God speak to you. And whatever God speaks to you, do. Whatever he says to you to do, do. Whatever he speaks to your heart, honor it and walk therein. All right? Father God, I thank you so much for your word of truth. We just thank you, Father God, how you're encouraging us, Father, to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, Father, we're not going to allow the devil to make us doubt our salvation. But Father God, uh, we thank you that we are saved. We thank you for the blessed assurance that we have in Christ. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. That is our story. That is our song. We're praising our Savior all the day long. And so, Father, we remember this, the blessed assurance that we have in Christ. And we are encouraged and strengthened, Father God. The enemy shall not cause us to, die, to doubt. He shall not cause us to quake in fear. Hallelujah. For we know that the salvation that we have is secure for our eternal, uh, throughout eternity. And it is present and powerful and able to save in the current present day. And, and, and Father God, we have hope in you. We trust in you for you are faithful. So Father, we thank you and we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.